Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're in a series on praise, thanksgiving and worship. Today I want to share a special message called The Donkey and the Colt, or Your King Comes Unto You. And what I want to talk about is the, another benefit of praise and thanksgiving. In the praise and thanksgiving, one thing we are doing is we are opening the gates of our heart to welcome the King of Glory into our hearts and, and into our lives. And as we do that, he comes and he covers us and he protects us and he fills us with his presence. And the result is we come into a place of peace and fullness. And it's, the important thing is that we welcome him. He is the King of Glory, as it were, who comes to us in humility, offering himself to us we have to open up the gates of our heart and welcome him in. And we do that through praise and thanksgiving. And Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. We belong to God. He has the rights over us, but he doesn't force himself on us. He expects us and needs us to open up the gates of our heart and let him in. And in verse 7, it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. This is what God tells us to do. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Have you opened your gates and allowed the King of glory to come in? Or maybe you've just opened them a little bit, but you need to really open them wide and let the King of glory come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Salah. And it's interesting that the gates were the key places of a city, and the elders sat at the gates. And um, the, the, the elders, the gates in a sense represent the elders. They were responsible for when the gates were opened and when they were closed, whether they would let someone in or not let someone in. And uh, th they, if they were righteous elders, they would be able to lift up their heads uh, be because they had allowed righteousness in and kept evil out. But if they had allowed evil in, then they would hang their heads in shame. And it says, lift up your heads because you need to be able to to not be ashamed because you have opened the gates to the King of Glory and you've allowed him to come in because he has the right to come in. You, he, you created you. He redeemed you. Don't hang your head in shame because you didn't open the gate to God in your life and you kept him out. Then you will ultimately hang your head in shame as a result. We are to open the gates of our heart wide for the King of Glory to come in. And the way we do that is through praise and thanksgiving. Because Isaiah 60 says, you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. So the gates are called praise. In other words, you open those gates when you praise God. You open the gates wide for God to come in. And, and a great picture of this is what we call the triumphal entry, which happened on the Palm Monday of the Passion Week. And actually, this is when Jesus officially presented himself to Israel as the Messiah. And we see many of the people praising him. 
uh, opening up the gates of their heart. They were singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is you comes in the name of the Lord. They were opening up the gates to let him come in. But sadly, the leaders of Israel closed the gates of their heart against him. And that's why he couldn't establish his kingdom at that point. He would have done it, but he couldn't. And, and here is a picture of, of how Jesus comes to us and how we are to respond. We have a choice whether to accept him and reject him. And you have a choice in every area of your life, whether you open up the gates to him or close them. In John 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. That's how you welcome Jesus, with praise and thanksgiving. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And so Jesus came in on a colt, a young donkey, and we want to talk about this. It's the fulfillment of a prophecy in Zechariah 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. So notice, they were told to rejoice and shout. This is how you welcome the king. Because he says, Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so here it's saying, this is the prophecy that the king will come to them in humility, riding on a donkey and a colt. Two animals here, which we'll talk about. But he says, the king is coming to you. The right response to him is to rejoice, is to open your heart with praise and worship and receive him. And this is a picture of how Christ comes to each one of us in humble authority, not by force. That's why he comes on a donkey, is to show that he is presenting himself to them, for them to accept or reject. He is the rightful king, but he comes in humility. Now, that humility does not mean he compromises his authority. He is the king but it means that he is not forcing himself upon them. He presents himself and he wants to win our hearts by his love. It says he comes having salvation. He, ha he wants to give us every good thing. He comes in love and he wants to win our hearts by his love, not by force. But when we receive him as king, we also receive the salvation that he has. He comes having salvation. So when we receive him as the king, we get the salvation along with that. And when we receive him, actually, then he will, now he's our king, he will fight our enemies and he will establish his kingdom of peace. Because that's the next verse in Zechariah. He says, when, you when they receive him finally as king, he says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem, the battle bow will be cut off. He will speak peace to the nations. His dominion will be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. In other words, when they receive him finally as king, he will defeat all enemies. There'll be no need for any more fighting and he will establish his kingdom of peace on the earth. And in the same way, when you receive Jesus as your king, then he'll start fighting for you and he will establish his peace in your life. How do we receive him? He says, behold, your king is coming. You've got to see Jesus for who he is. He is the Lord and the Savior. You've got to see his love for, for you, but also see his authority. And then it says rejoice. In other words, receive with enthusiasm. Receive with an open heart, which is shown by praise. That's how an enthusiastic reception. 
you know, for instance, if a man proposes to a woman and, he, and, and then she says, well, okay, I'll, I've got nothing better to do. That isn't the desired response, is it? You, you, want, you want an emotional response. You want something that shows uh, excitement. And uh, that's what he's saying. Rejoice. Your king is coming to you. Rejoice. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And, and you receive with an open heart. So Jesus comes to you and we receive him with our praise and our thanksgiving is how we open our heart to receive him as best as we can and honor him as our king. And so Jesus comes to us like this as Lord and Savior. We've got to behold him. We've got to receive him as king, submit to him. We've got to uh, receive his salvation. And then it says, as a result, we will come into peace and fullness. And so that's what they were singing in the triumphal entry, the Hosanna, which is save now. Lord, we receive your salvation. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is you comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And another Luke says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're receiving him as the king and also as the savior. But the leaders sadly rejected him. Now, this is a strange picture to us. A king coming riding on a donkey. What's going on here? Surely kings come on strong horses. They, they come with power in, to intimidate chariots. But Christ doesn't come like that. He comes in humility and he wants us to welcome him with praise and thanksgiving. But actually, the people of Bible times would have understood that coming on a donkey is actually not a sign of weakness, but actually a sign that the king or the ruler is presenting himself to the people to be the king, but he wants to rule, not, he doesn't want to force himself on them. He wants their consent. He wants to rule because the, the people want him. So he presents himself in that way. And so riding a donkey in biblical times was a symbol of God-given authority but not established by force, but received willingly by the people. In fact, judges are described as those who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire. And Judges 10.4 talks about Jair, who judged, had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. <laughs> and, uh, and another one talked about um, 70 young donkeys, and this was the judge and his sons. And so this was a mark, actually, of authority, but authority that was not imposed by force. Uh, so when Jesus come on a donkey, it signified that though he had the right to rule, he wasn't going to establish it by force. And, and if Israel rejected him, then he would go away. He wouldn't impose his authority on them. He would only be their king if they received him as king. And that's the same way it is for us, too. He needs them to willingly receive them as king. There's an interesting example of this in the coronation of Solomon, because Solomon's a picture of Christ. And at Solomon's coronation, there was a contest between two sons of David. The other one was Adonijah. And we read in 1 Kings 1 that Adonijah exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. In other words, this is two, one way of trying to be king. He exalted himself and he used chariots and horsemen, horses. He, this was kind of asserting his authority, forcing his authority, if you like. 
and and the reason and he did this all wrong uh, it, the comment is his father had not rebuked him at any time saying why have you done so and uh, he was also very good looking and what he's saying here is this was a spoilt kid he was never corrected by his father and um, and and because he was good looking everyone thought he was cute and so he grew up being spoiled and so here he is now just pushing for his own uh, to be king and doing it the wrong way and then the, the word gets back to Solomon through Bathsheba and Nathan and David says no I've appointed Solomon to be king and and then David gives instructions as to how Solomon should present himself to be king and he calls the the key people and uh, in verse 33 the king said to to them take with you the servants of your lord and have solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to the gihon so a mule is a donkey crossed with a horse so the a mule uh, he was meant to ride on david's mule isn't that interesting the same kind not on a horse not on a war horse but on a mule in other words he's to come with humility it's David's mule showing that David has ordained him to be king, but he's presenting himself in humility to be king for the people to accept him. And then it goes on and says, that tell Zadok they were to blow the horn and say, long live King Solomon, and he will be the king in my place. And so it says, again the mule is mentioned in verse 38, it says, so they, they went down to the spring and they had Solomon ride on King David's mule. And took him to the Gihon and they all shouted long live the king and then the mule gets a third mention it's obviously important it says when word gets back to Adonijah that he's lost because it says they made him ride on the king's mule so clearly that's significant this was the ordained way for a king to present himself to the people in humility um, so that the people would willingly accept him as king. He's not coming as if they're the enemy, coming on a war horse as if he's the enemy, but on a mule. But why doesn't he just walk? And th there's a meaning to the sitting. He needs to sit on a donkey because the donkey is a picture of his throne. He's presenting himself as their king, saying, as I come sitting on this donkey, so I want to sit on the throne over over you and in our case he's he comes like that and he says I want to sit on the throne of your heart with your heart submitted to me and, and that was the picture language that he's presenting the donkey represents us in other words we are meant to carry the presence and glory of God we're meant to carry the glory of Jesus on us um, and and remember in the triumphal entry when Jesus comes riding on a donkey he is saying I want to I offer myself to you to be your Lord and Saviour, uh, to sit upon the throne of your heart. And remember, this donkey is a picture of someone who's received Jesus, and the people are all cheering. And the donkey, if he's foolish, he might think, well, they're all cheering me. But no, they're not. They're cheering the presence and the glory of God that was sitting upon him. And so when God uses you in a big way, or in any way, remember, they're not cheering you. It's the presence of God that you've allowed to sit upon you, that, that he gets the glory. And so the issue for any person really is, are you going to be a wild, untamed donkey and refuse to have the Lord sit upon you? 
or are you going to be submitted to the Lord and carry his presence and glory? That was the issue he was presenting to Israel and he presents to each one of us. But I want to mention there's an interesting puzzle because the prophecy in Zechariah talks about a donkey and its colt. Three of the Gospels actually only talk about the colt, Jesus sitting on the colt. Only Matthew talks about the donkey and the colt, that Jesus sat on both of them, which is interesting. Why is, is that? And it, uh, Matthew, you see, is, about, is the one gospel that's written to the Jews. And therefore, the donkey must be something particularly to do with Jewish people. Jesus was presenting himself to the Jewish people. And so the Gospel of Matthew is all about that Jesus is the Messiah. But how can he be the Messiah when, according to their own prophecies, he ought to establish his kingdom of peace on earth, and he didn't do that? And the whole Gospel of Matthew is about how Jesus did the signs of the Messiah, but the Jewish leaders rejected him. They accused him of being possessed by Beelzebub. And as a result, the Matthew's Gospel basically says that the Gospel now goes to the nations. That's how it ends. It says, go make disciples of all nations. And so the Gospel goes to the nations. And, but yet, in Matthew's Gospel, it makes a promise also that at the end of that harvest of the nations, eventually Jesus will return to his people Israel and also restore Israel as well. So God hasn't finished with Israel, he will set up his kingdom and Israel will be the central nation in that kingdom but because of their rejection of him first of all is what we know as the church age where the gospel goes out to the nations. And so this is what's going on here in the triumphal entry is a prophetic picture of this. Let's read this in Matthew 21. It says, When they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. So mother and son, loose them and bring them to me. See, now the donkey is Israel. And only Matthew mentions the donkey, because first of all, Jesus rode the donkey. He was presenting himself to Israel. But when we read Luke's Gospel, we find that as he is coming towards Jerusalem, he weeps. And he weeps because he knows that Israel are rejecting him. They did not know the day of his visitation. He says, if only you would have known the day of your visitation, um, now let me read that. He says, uh, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes, and as a result, the destruction will come upon you, because you did not know the day, the time of your visitation. And so as Jesus come down the slope, he, God shows him, of course, that Israel is rejecting. Now the donkey represents Israel, and it's at this point that he gets off the donkey and he goes on to the colt. Now the colt, it says, uh, in, for instance, in Luke uh, 19.30, it says, this colt on which no one has ever sat. This is a picture of the Gentiles because they didn't know God. They've never had anyone sit on them. They didn't know the laws of God. The Gentiles knew nothing. They were young as it were, in the things of God. They weren't used to God's laws. And so they are like this young cult. And at this point, Jesus prophetically moved his seat 
as it were, of government to the cult. And this signified, because of Israel's rejection, he was moving his presence onto the Gentiles. He was bringing salvation to the Gentiles. And the church, of course, is mostly Gentile. And this was his, he is now moving to the nations for a time. And then, so now Jesus rode on the cult. Now normally a cult who'd never been set on before would, would, would reject would not accept someone sitting on them. They'd need to be trained. But because of the presence of Jesus and the love of Jesus, somehow the cult knew and submitted to Jesus and he was able to ride into town with Jesus on his back. Praise God. And that's a picture that the Gentiles, so many of them, would accept Jesus as Lord. They would recognize, even though they knew nothing, they recognized the reality of Jesus. So it's a beautiful picture. But it doesn't mean that God's finished with Israel. Because notice, as Jesus rode on the colt the rest of the way, he, he would have been tied to his mother. And so the, the two would have been going together. And so Israel and the Gentiles, the, uh, Israel and the church, are actually uh, God together in God's plan. God hasn't finished with Israel because the time is coming. When, Je when the rapture happens, Jesus is going to again sit on the donkey. His, his presence will return to Israel, and it says all Israel will be saved, and he will set up his kingdom through Israel. And so God has a plan for, for the church, and he has a plan for Israel. We have to hold the two together. But it's wonderful picture language here. And so it says that there was a donkey and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. God wants both Israel and the Gentiles to come to him. And if anyone says anything to you, you'll say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he'll send them. And this was done, uh, and the Lord has need of us. He needs us to carry his presence and his glory in the earth. And this was done to that which is fulfilled by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, both of them. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. So Jesus sat on both the donkey and the colt, one after the other. First, the Bible says, the gospel went, goes first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. First he sat on the donkey, then on the colt. And then it says, the multitude cried out, singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so again, this shows the people were welcoming him with their praise and worship. But the leaders, the Pharisees, were upset with all the praise and worship and they tried to stop it. And that's a picture of somebody with a closed heart. They don't worship and praise. But when you worship God, you open and you welcome Jesus to be the King of glory in your life. And so Jesus, uh, Israel is compared in the scripture to a wild donkey in Jeremiah 2.24. And in Hosea 8.9, it says that Israel is a wild donkey. And so the problem with Israel when Jesus presented she was a wild donkey. She didn't want to be sat on. She didn't want to come under the lordship of Jesus. Don't be like a wild donkey. If you receive Jesus and his presence upon you, you will, his glory will be upon you and you will have a far greater destiny. And it's an interesting law about donkeys, by the way. In Exodus 34, 19, it says, All that open the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep, but the firstborn of a donkey, you will redeem with a lamb. 
and if you will not redeem him, then you'll break his neck. Interesting law, but especially for a donkey, which represents Israel, that the donkey shall be redeemed by a lamb. And otherwise, its neck gets broken. Two possibilities. Well, with Israel refused to receive the Lamb of God for her redemption, and so her neck was broken in AD 70, and she came under judgment. But in the future, Jesus, in the tribulation, Israel will actually change her verdict over Jesus. The leaders will realize that Jesus is the Messiah, and they will say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and Jesus will return. So once they accept him, as Lord and Saviour, then Jesus will return, not on a donkey this time, because that's, he's done that, he's been accepted now. Now he comes in a war horse to fight all the enemies of Israel and to establish his kingdom on earth. And when you, he comes to you in humility, when you accept him, then he goes to war for you. He fights your enemies and he establishes the kingdom of peace in your life. And so, Either we are redeemed by the Lamb of God or our neck will be broken. Those who reject the Lamb of God, they will end up under judgment. And so the cult is the Gentiles and praise God, many of us Gentiles, we have received Jesus upon us. And that was a prophecy that was fulfilled. It says that the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him will be the obedience of the people. That's Jesus. Binding his donkey to the vine and the, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. In other words, it talks about Jew and Gentile being bound to the vine. That's Christ is the vine. And God's plan is for Jew and Gentile to be bound to the vine. And it says, he washed his garments in wine, his clothes in the blood of grapes. Jesus is the wine, and so the blood of the grapes of the vine is Jesus' own blood that washes us clean, praise God. And when garments are washed in the blood of the grapes, they become purple. And we become royalty when we receive Jesus and, and he, we allow him to wash us. Jesus... When he was rejected, he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. But when Israel reject, receive him again, he will return and fight at the Battle of Armageddon. He will come on a horse this time and destroy all the enemies that were about to, to, to destroy Israel. And then he will return to the Mount of Olives and he will complete what he started. He couldn't complete it before because they rejected him. But now they've opened their hearts, the gates to him. Now he will return and stand on the Mount of Olives and then he will get off his horse, place his feet on the Mount of Olives and then walk into Jerusalem as the king of glory and he will establish his kingdom over the whole earth. Open the gates of your heart to the king of glory and he will come in, he'll fight your enemies and he'll establish the kingdom of peace in your heart. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Give him your praise. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.